You're listening to Radio Ed, a University of Denver podcast. We're your hosts, Nicole Militello, Lauren Fultonberg, and I'm Alyssa Hurst. I remember where I was the first time I heard Britney Spears' iconic hit, Baby One More Time. One of the older kids at my daycare had bought Spears' debut album and was passing around her Walkman with its flimsy foam headphones so everyone could get a taste of Britney. Since then, the world's appetite for Britney Spears has been insatiable, and she's proven to be a fixture not only in pop music, but also in the headlines. Most recently, it's not her music drawing attention, but a legal battle she's been waging against the conservatorship that has given her father the power to make key decisions for her for more than a decade. Spears spoke up last month alleging that the conservatorship has been a tool of abuse and pushing for the arrangement to come to an end. That left us wondering, what exactly does a conservatorship typically look like, and is Spears' experience living under one the norm? Tammy Kennan, a professor in the Sturm College of Law who has litigated conservatorships in the past, shares her insights. So one of the questions I've had, and that I'm sure many other people have, is what exactly is a conservatorship? What is its intended purpose? And in what situations do we typically see these kind of arrangements? Great. So a conservatorship is one type of legal intervention that is used with the goal in mind of trying to protect people. It's typically used when people, because of injury or illness or incapacity, are unable to make decisions for themselves. With conservatorships, it's usually um, limited to financial sorts of decisions. So that's an interesting point about Brittany's case that I'll get back to. But just generally, a court a court has to actually appoint a conservator. It doesn't just happen because someone signs papers. So it's only by court order. But I actually want to back up for a second and say that you know most of us as human beings can anticipate that there will be a time in our lives when we are incapacitated for some reason. Either we get into an accident or we become ill. Typically, we start thinking about this when we get older. Um, So you and I today, being of sound mind and body, could execute a power of attorney to give an additional person, in addition to ourselves, some um, authority to make decisions for us. So it's a really normal and it's a really healthy and good way to plan for the future. Um, A conservatorship is really different. (laughs) So it, first of all, it can only, it's not something that you or I can just do. It has to, as I mentioned, be put in place by a court. Um, And it's an intervention that's used when a person has not, when they are of sound mind, put into place a power of attorney. So it's far more restrictive. Um, It doesn't give the other person, the agent, it doesn't give them merely agency, but it actually takes away the agency of the person who's the subject of the conservatorship. And as I said, typically they're financial, but I've read enough to know that this conservatorship sounds a lot more like a guardianship, which is a different, even more restrictive um, legal intervention that doesn't limit itself to financial decisions, but really um, a guardian uh, can make decisions about any aspect of someone's personal life, whatever, whatever the guardian thinks is in the person's best interest. Um, and so that's really different. Uh, and so something, there's something very different about Britney's. So you and I will call Britney's conservatorship a conservatorship because that's legally what it's called in California. But I think it's far more restrictive. Can each conservatorship look different? Like can a judge set different parameters for different people under different circumstances? Yes. 
And we don't know. We don't know with Brittany what the judge has put into place here. Very interesting. And will it be the same judge typically that oversees the conservatorship through the life of it? Typically it is. And I think this judge, I feel like this is Judge Brenda Penny in Los Angeles. I think she's been on the case for many years, if not right from the start. I think from the very start in 2008. Um, So Britney Spears' conservatorship arrangement went into place after a few really public incidents um, back in 2008 and 2007. So on on two occasions, because of those, she underwent mental health evaluations in a psychiatric hospital. Are these the typical conditions under which a conservatorship might be put into place? I mean, the, the typical conditions are the mental health evaluations in the psych hospital. Not typical are public incidents for a celebrity. I mean, I think here about um, a contemporary of Britney's, maybe a little younger, but is Miley Cyrus. She's done really controversial things. And yet with Miley Cyrus, I think that most people think of that as whether they like what she does or not, or think it's tasteful or not, I think they attribute that to her artistic license. Uh, Not so with Britney. There's a different scrutiny of Britney here, it does seem to me. However, having said that, the psych evaluations and also her substance abuse um, issues are typical reasons, yes, that someone might seek a conservatorship. Okay. So so as you mentioned before, Britney's conservatorship seems a little bit different um, and seems a little bit more restrictive. So she recently said that under her conservatorship, she's not allowed to have children or get married. She's been forced to work with a temperature of 104 degrees. Um, so are these things that are allowed under most conservatorships? And, and what power does someone in charge of a, I guess, a typical conservatorship have over its subject? Yeah, so that's an important point because I was gonna say for sure not in conservatorships would these be typical. In a guardianship more so, they would be more typical. But even under a guardianship, these allegations, if true, are not typically allowed in any kind of formal way anyway. So specifically the, you know, if it is true that Brittany was forced to work, for example, when she had a temperature of 104 degrees, I mean, that's blatantly counter to what is in her best interests and her personal care. Um, so that's not a, what I think, what I think maybe Judge Penny has done is um, not been quite so specific in the restrictions that she's placed. Um, you know, so, so something like that is certainly not in writing uh, in this conservatorship anywhere. Um, but I think that generally speaking, conservators and guardians are given very wide latitude and a lot of discretion to, to act in what is called the person's best interest. And it's a legal standard and it can be very, very subjective. And so I think that that's where that comes into play. And I'll just, let me try to give you another example. I was thinking about this. So um, I'm not a conservator or a guardian right now, but I am, I do have power of attorney for my grandmother who's 89. Um, And so I have the power to make um, some decisions on her behalf, but really what I'm doing is acting as her agent and and trying to execute documents that she wants me to, like signing her lease for her, things like that. Um, so I, I happen to feel very strongly about the issue of autonomy. And I think that I would say that autonomy is one of my most highly cherished values as a person. Um, so I'm not gonna act on my grandma's behalf. I'm not gonna do something that she doesn't wanna have done, even if I think it's in her best interest. Now, my mother, my grandmother's daughter, my mother, um, she and I disagree all the time about what's in my grandmother's best interest. I'm bringing this up because I think it sort of starts to highlight some of the 
there's a lot of gray area here um, in the sense that um, if both my mom and I were appointed as conservators or guardians for my grandma as a legal matter, we could both be right. Just pointing out, this is a very amorphous legal standard and there's just a ton of discretion and very, and I think even reasonable people can disagree about what's in someone's best interest. So, so given that, given the amount of leeway there seems to be in terms of the conditions of a conservatorship, how easy is it for, for this sort of arrangement to become abusive or to be misused? I think it's pretty easy. I think it's pretty easy. And I don't think we have a very robust uh, system of review uh, in probate courts. And I think they're I, I think people have, call, I, th- I think even the ACLU on behalf of many, many people <laughs> um, under conservatorships have called for, uh, you know, the reform of probate courts. So this is something that is, has been an issue before, is something that people have thought about before and has been a concern. Absolutely. Absolutely. Anyone concerned with civil liberties has thought about this. Anyone concerned with disability rights has thought a lot about this. And I think, you know, more progressive minds um, would argue that th- this type of this guardianship and conservatorship, these kinds of legal interventions are patronizing and really don't um, don't facilitate uh, the the most auto- the most liberty that people could have. So back to Brittany, her her father was put in charge of her conservatorship in two thousand eight, and at this time it was considered temporary. Um, so so what is what would be the logic of continuously renewing this arrangement? So I, I think the way to think about that is that, um, you know, I know that the, the, her fans and media and, you know, the freeing Britney um, sort of movement <laughs> um, talk about this continuing temporary conservatorship as if that's really restrictive. But I think actually the judge had probably, if it's like most states, the judge had discretion to go ahead and put in place a permanent conservatorship. So I actually think the judge has done something good in the sense that it's temporary. I think the logic behind a temporary is so that the court can monitor and revisit. In California, maybe this judge doesn't typically put in permanent conservatorships for people as young as Brittany was when this was put in place. Or maybe maybe Jamie, the conservator, her father, maybe he didn't have a lot of evidence of very Um, harmful uh, things that were going on uh, against her own best interest. It's it's a little bit hard to know. Um, The the continuous renewal of this gives me pause. So I think something that's really interesting about this conservatorship is that Britney has been, Britney Spears has been very successful over the last decade of her career. She's put out music um, that has been really popular. She had her really successful run in Las Vegas. So this seems like kind of counter to what you would think would be the circumstances of a conservatorship. Um, so you kind of talked about this a little bit, but what processes are, are typically put in place or might be put in place to reevaluate a conserva- conservatorship and determine whether or not it is still necessary? So as you're, I think, probably gleaning, it's a bit of an uphill battle. Um, and and that's, part of, that's part of what's not robust about our system and where I think there really does need to be reform. So the person under the conservatorship, who's called a conservatee, can contact the court and ask the court to revisit, to revisit the need for the conservatorship. And generally that person has to prove that that there is no longer a need. And this is why I call it an uphill battle. Suddenly the person 
who's the subject of the conservatorship has the burden of proof. And proving a negative is not so easy. Proving that something is not needed is, is not so easy. And so I think that's where the real danger lies in conservatorships. Um, so generally the person is gonna have to prove that they're capable, for, for sure, obviously they're capable of making their own decisions in their best interest. Um, but, the, but they also could try to prove that the conservator, so Jamie Spears here, hasn't exercised reasonable care or diligence. It's not a very high standard for conservators. Um, that's, that's, we have many more, much, um, we have much stronger, higher burdens in the law that could be imposed on conservators. It's, that's not very high. Um, or the other big way to try to end a conservatorship is to say that this conservator has a conflict of interest somehow. And I wouldn't be surprised um, if that's not something that Brittany's attorney, at least in the, you know, probably as an alternative to, first of all, it's just not necessary anymore. But secondly, it shouldn't be Jamie Spears. Right, right. And that has certainly been a point of conversation over the last year or so. Um, so going back a little bit more to what what somebody would need to do in order to end a conservatorship against them, what what are the avenues there? What does what does the law look like in terms of getting that removed? Um, it's hard. So, so for someone like Brittany, who's got power, who's got so many resources in a, in addition to financial. Um, so um, for someone like her, it's, it is, is not hard for her to get an attorney, even though she doesn't have control over her money, right? So an attorney is going to take her case and there's gonna be so much publicity involved. Um, there's just no question that not only is an attorney gonna take her case, but probably a good attorney, someone who's experienced in this area of law. Um, so she's just right out of, at, at the outset, she is able to get representation um, and get counsel and be shepherded through the process and have arguments made on her behalf. Most people can't. Um, so most people as a general matter are not, you know, most of us generally are not remotely as well resourced as Brittany in any way. So she's really extraordinary outside the bell curve here. Um, but when, the, when you add to that, that these are people who are under someone's power. Um, so the power of the conservator or guardian, it's, it is hard to imagine. I mean, it, it just, to me, seems so incredibly difficult that that person would be able to access the court um, because they probably would not be able to hire an attorney because they wouldn't have any money to get an attorney. Um, and I think attorneys know that these are uphill battles also. Um, so it's, so on, as a practical matter, I think it's just, it's a real access to justice issue. As we've discussed, Britney Spears is conservatorship, her whole situation has been quite different from, from other folks, especially in the aspect that it's happening in the public eye. Um, so what role could the media play and, and the fact that this is so public play in the court's decision regarding whether or not this conservatorship should continue? I'm sure um, that the media and the public opinion are influencing Judge Penny heavily. Um, I, would, I do not envy her position right now. And, and, you know, in some ways it's great, it's great. Um, it, in the best of circumstances, it will, um, if I were the judge, it would make me want to be very careful, meticulous about following the law and doing a very diligent investigation, making sure to appoint experts who are incredible and experienced um, to help me. I do also wonder if, 
And again, this is, if I were the judge, I would be very worried that, that it is possible that Brittany is doing so well that she's turned things around because she's had this structure in her life. I would worry, and I think judges do worry. I think one thing we know judges worry about is bad press. Um, and so I, I do wonder a little bit if Judge Penny also is wondering to herself, what if I remove this conservatorship and Brittany spirals? I, all fingers will be pointed on her if that happens. Um, so I, I, I think that the media and public attention has an enormous impact um, on decision makers. I, um, I don't know how that will actually pan out. So you've kind of alluded to this a few times, but how could a conservator or does a conservator benefit from keeping a conservatorship in place? Um, can they be paid for their role as a conservator? And what rights does the person under the conservatorship actually retain? I know that's a lot of questions. So That's okay. You know, generally speaking, conservators are paid. They are paid um, for their service. Colorado will pay a conservator um, $35,000 a year. Um, so... People are paid. People who are conservators in, the, in states the size of Britney's could be paid more um, based on the term, based on state law and based on the terms of that specific conservatorship. So there is a financial incentive, certainly. Um, when conservators have control over finances, though, there, there is an obligation for them to at least um, try to accommodate the conservatees stated, expressed sorts of wishes. Um, and um, to do so unless they feel as though those wishes really are not in the best interest. But again, that, that standard is just so amorphous and so subjective um, that I think it's, it's just hard to, it, I can see why there are a lot of barriers to removing it. So in this case, Britney Spears' father is the conservator. Um, and, and that, for the bulk of it, at least, he's been the conservator. There was a brief period where a third party has been in charge. It also sounds like there's been a company involved helping to to make decisions on Britney's behalf. Um, so I'm curious how common it is for family members to be conservators. Um, is it common for a team to be involved or a third party to be involved? And how might family dynamics play into this conversation? Yeah, I mean, it, it is mo most typically it will be a family member who's a conservator. Um, it's, you know, in the ideal situation, it's a love, it's a person who loves the conservative. So most, and I bring that up, I'm, I'm saying that because um, in my experience, and I've, I've represented some people trying to um, dissolve a conservatorship, and I've learned the hard way uh, that in, and I've only worked on a handful of cases, but in four out of five of those cases, the conservator was doing their best. They, they had the right intentions. Um, so I think these things are complicated and there's a lot of gray area, um, but it is very common for family members to do it. It's, um, I, in a typical case, I don't really hear about teams necessarily, do it, a team of people would be a little less typical, I think. But I also happen to work with clients, I work with very, you know, lower income clients. Um, and so I think there just aren't the resources for teams. Um, but it's also perfectly common for a public or private agency to be appointed. So that all leads me to think, why would Judge Penny not appoint somebody else? G given these allegations, um, something else that I've been thinking about and thinking about her case is along the, along the vein of there's more than meets the eye. So Brittany's had this conservatorship in place. She's also in a separate court, separate case, 
lost custody of her children and had pretty restricted, at least for a while, very restrictive parenting time rights. So we see that, so we see that other, the family law case, the divorce and child custody case. And then we see Judge Penny reviewing this conservatorship multiple times uh, and still keeping it in place. And this all leads me to believe uh, that there are facts that are really influential to this judge um, and that there's not nothing here from a neutral point of view, as someone who thinks Brittany is a, I think she's a, a really interesting person, um, a really strong woman, um, a really talented person, uh, but not a true diehard fan of hers. I think that um, there are facts that her fans don't know um, that are that just make it more complicated. So Britney Spears just gave her first real statement on this conservatorship very recently. Um, so is there likely a legal reason she hasn't spoken about spoken up about her experiences, given that it sounds like um, from her perspective, it's been really difficult? I cannot think of a legal reason. I mean, possibly. So I just mentioned the divorce and child custody decision in a different court. Every once in a while, those kinds of cases um, have privacy clauses. Um, that I could see that maybe there are some facts in that case that are that overlap with some of the facts in this case. So that 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 is the only legal reason, some kind of gag order in a different case, possibly. I know Brittany's made a lot of allegations. I'm not going to speak to whether those are true or not. But one thing that I found compelling um, and rings true for me, based on my experience, is um, that she has been in denial and has been scared. So in the disability rights movement, one reason um, that activists are very uh, opposed um, to things as restrictive as conservatorships is because it doesn't, you know, when you don't have um, the power to make your own decisions, then you also don't have the power to learn from your own bad decisions. Um, so you don't, you're not making bad decisions anymore. So you're not facing the consequences. And you know, failure and uh, make it, making bad decisions is how we all grow. It's how we become braver. It's how we do things differently. Um, I, I, I would be, I would suspect rather than a legal reason for her not speaking up, it is exactly what she said, which is just being in denial and being fearful and not, not having had opportunities to learn since decision-making has been taken away from her. Yeah, that's a great point that that decision making and being in control of our own successes and failures is something that is pretty central to being human and to how we learn and grow and uh, not not having access to that, whether it's for good reasons or, or bad reasons is just it just can do something to a person. So the last question I have for you, I just kind of want to broaden the scope of this a little bit. Um, there are a lot of celebrities who are who are coming up in this time and who came up at the same time as Britney, who have been under this intense scrutiny, who have, you know, had public moments where they're not as clean and glossy as we expect them to be. Um, are there other circumstances or other people that that you might compare Britney's situation to? You know, I have been thinking a lot about Amy Winehouse um, this month. This month will be the 10th anniversary of her death. Uh, and I was a huge, I am a huge Amy Winehouse fan. And she, she is a little, she became famous a little later than Britney did. Um, but she won her, Amy Winehouse won her first Grammy in 2008. And that's the same year that this conservatorship um, was put into place for 
um, Brittany. So Amy died of alcohol poisoning. Um, so she essentially OD'd on alcohol. And in the years preceding her death, we watched her almost march her way to her death. We saw her on stage. Uh, we saw her addiction. On, she, she drank and used on stage while she was performing. You know, in her most famous song called Rehab, she talks about one of the lines from that song alludes to how people are trying to get her to go to rehab. Her friends and her manager had done an intervention and actually got her to go. And she checked out because her dad didn't think she needed to be there. So Amy Winehouse, um, she comes to mind because she's the, she, she, it's such a sad, such a tragic case. And she strikes me as someone who on the other end of the continuum had had family who knew that she had pretty serious problems and decided not to do anything, you know, decided not to intervene in any way to, to help her, not, not even in a conservatorship way, but not even to intervene to get her into treatment. They didn't even support her. Her dad didn't even support her going to treatment. Um, and instead actually just pushed her to keep going, keep touring, keep touring, you know? Um, and so I, I'm thinking a lot about Amy because you know, I, again, I'm not a fan of conservatorships. I think they should be the least, you know, they, sh they should be a last resort or guardianships for that matter. Um, but there are cases where, where these kinds of legal interventions are necessary. It was definitely foreseeable and possibly, you know, I don't, we can't, who knows, uh, but it possibly was preventable. And, and that hers was the kind of case where some kind of intervention would have been helpful not harmful. Right. It just illustrates how complicated and complex this whole arena of law can be. It's exactly right. To learn more about both Britney Spears's plight and Tammy Cannon's work, visit du.edu slash radio ed. Tamara Chapman is our managing editor. James Swearingen arranged our theme. I'm Melissa Hurst, today's host and executive producer. This is Radio Ed. <laughs>